So we start a new series today. We're calling it To Seek and to save. Uh, famous words from Jesus in the verses that we're going to cover today. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in, we're gonna be in uh, this video again, multiple times, <laughs> over and over again. I actually already hit record on that, but thanks, Mike. Um, can you help Eileen? Because she's going to struggle for a second. <laughs> it's going to be one of those mornings. But we're going to be in Luke chapter 19, if you have your Bibles today. And we'll also put the verses on the screen. Um, We'll put the verses on the screen as well so you can, you can follow along if you don't have a Bible handy. But you can always download you know, the Bible app right on your device and take it anywhere and everywhere you go. <clears throat> um, you know, there, there's some times when you write a message as a preacher um, where you're just like, man, there's, there's something about it that, that, that isn't hitting right. Like it's just not working. Um, and that was kind of this message. Um, I actually changed the message halfway through this week. I was like, we're going to go a different direction today. Um, and we went a different direction because I finally listened to Jesus. Uh, man, I'm telling you right now, I'm not trying to toot my own horn. Uh, this is a Jesus thing, but God's got something in store for you today. And I don't just say that to say that. I don't say that because that's what good preachers say. I say it because I genuinely believe it. I think God has a message in store for us um, that, that, that really is going to speak to our hearts. But more than that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to expose some things and it's going to pull some things out. Um, hopefully walk away, change people because we encountered a holy God. Um, so that's where we're going to be today in Luke chapter 19. Can I pray for us before we dive in though? Father God, um, man, you're good. Um, you are so extremely faithful to us, God. Um, as your word says, you know, you work out all things for those who love you or with you. <clears throat> and God, for that, we, we thank you. Um, we look at our lives and how we got here and our stories and how we found you for those of us that know you. and um, God, the relationships that we get to carry, um, God, we just thank you. Um, we thank you that you've chosen us. We thank you that um, you're working in us. We thank you that we get to have relationship with you and that you speak to us. Um, God, you are a holy and beautiful God. And God, we can't give you much, any more praise than we possibly could. You deserve it all. Um, God, this morning, uh, let your truth speak to our hearts. God, pierce it. Um, as, as the Hebrew writer said, your words are sharper than um, bows, you're sharper than swords. I can quote scripture, even though Christy couldn't, I can get there. Uh, it's sharper than a double-edged sword. It cuts through bone and marrow straight to the heart. Uh, we believe it to be true. We believe your word is convicting when you speak it to us, and we believe it's encouraging. We believe uh, it's uh, vision casting and taking us to new places. God, we love you. And we just ask you to be in this place, in your son's precious name. Amen. <clears throat> so we're looking at this story of to, to seek and save the lost. We're looking at the story of Zacchaeus. And maybe, maybe you've heard this story before, right? If you've grown up in the church, you've probably heard the song, you know, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he, right? And we won't sing the song, I promise. Maybe later. Um, <clears throat> but this, song, this, this text itself, man, it's It's good. Um, as we read through it, you're, you're going to see a bunch of different perspectives that we could take on it. We could come from, from Zacchaeus' point of view and Jesus' point of view. We can come from the crowd's point of view. There's just a lot of depth here. But for the sake of time, I'm going I'm to try to just, I'm going to come in from Zacchaeus' point of view. I'm just going to try to stick there as best as I possibly can, even though there's so much more. I highly encourage you um, to, to dig in it yourself. Spend some time with Jesus this week and read these verses. These verses are so good that next week, guess what? We're going to cover the same verse or next week. Our next service, uh, uh, someone give me the date really quick off the top of my head. February 12th, which is also Super Bowl Sunday, so we'll get you out of here quick. Um, <laughs> we're going to cover these same verses again because they're just that good. 
Um, so we're going to be in Luke chapter 19, starting with verse 1, these 10 powerful verses as Jesus introduces <clears throat> what he's here to do. It says, He entered Jericho, this is Jesus, and was passing through. There was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. That'd be cool. Uh, he was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was, not able to, he was not able to because of the crowds since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus since he was about to pass that way. Then Jesus came to the place. He looked up at him and said, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. So he quickly came down and welcomed, and welcomed him joyfully. All who saw it began to complain. He's going to stay with this sinful man. But Zacchaeus stood there, and he said to the Lord, Lord, look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I, have to extort, if I had extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay it back four times as much. Today, salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham. Verse 10, for the son of man has come to seek and to save the lost. Now, <clears throat> We can see throughout Jesus' ministry a handful of times that a similar situation kind of unfolds or encounter unfolds. Um, where Jesus shows up, there's a sinful person, Jesus gives them opportunity for salvation, presents them with, with a choice. I and mean, that's kind of what happens here. We have another famous story earlier on in the, in the book of Luke, in Luke chapter 5. I think the verses are, are on the screen. Uh, but this is Jesus calling uh, a different tax collector. This tax collector, his name's Levi, or you may know him as Matthew if you spend time in the church. He's the gospel writer of Matthew. I'm one of Jesus' disciples. So let me read, re, let me read this story as well and look how Jesus ends it here. But Luke chapter 5, verse 27 through 32. After this, Jesus went out, saw a t- tax collector named Levi, Matthew, sitting at the tax office. And he, began t- and he said to him, follow me. For leaving everything behind, he got up and began to follow him. Then Levi hosted a grand banquet for him at his house. Now, there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others who were uh, reclining at the table with them. But the Pharisees and the scribes were complaining to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus replied, For it is not those who are healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Interesting part of that last verse. If you want to put it back up on the screen, Eileen. Oh, it's really tiny and small. I'm sorry, guys. We'll make that better next time. Um, That last verse, I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repent. Now, Jesus being literal there is not here for the righteous. That would make sense. But the thing he's not letting catch on here or is not explaining here is that no one is righteous, not even one, right? Paul tells us that when he writes to the Romans. No one's righteous, not even one. So it's kind of like Jesus is not being snarky because it's not necessarily you know, what we read in the text here, but there's a, there's a potential here of, I've not come to call the righteous, but the sinner to repent. He's not looking at these individuals around him and calling them righteous, but they think they're righteous. And this is where we get into a lot of struggle in our relationship with Jesus is we think we're righteous. We think we're good enough. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down this first point. This point's not going to make any sense, and I promise we'll come back around to it. 
Um, but you can write this, I'm good enough. I'm good enough. See, these teachers of the law that, that he made the statement to, he makes similar statements later on in his ministry to, to the same group of people, the religious leaders, the religious elite, the ones that did it all right on the outside. Um, they, were, they made sure they were in synagogue. They practiced the traditions. They did everything right. In Matthew, there's an interaction that Jesus has with them. It says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You were like whitewashed tombs. You look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. See, the reality of all of us in the room is we may think we're good, but the reality is we're, we're not. The reality is, is, is we are sinful. Um, the reality is we do carry a lot of baggage. We do have a trail of harm in our relationships and the, the actions that we perform to get to this place. It's true of all of us. Whether we want to sit here and lie to ourselves and say, no, 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 I'm good. Look at me compared to that murder. I didn't kill anyone. And we get in this weird little cycle in this weird little place that, that we start to convince ourselves that we're a lot better off than we actually are. And this is where people struggle with understanding who Jesus is and what Jesus was about. Because Jesus came not for the healthy, but for the sick. He came to be a hospital to those that need saving. And where we struggle with Jesus when we think we're not sick. We think we're okay. We're better than so-and-so. And this is the biggest hurdle as a believer we have to get over, or our journey to become a believer we have to get over. It can happen in both places. Is we look at our lives and go, but I'm so much better than them. At least I don't do that. At least I didn't do that. But the reality is, if we really examine our life, we're messy individuals. We cause harm. We hurt relationship. We definitely don't put God first. We think our way is a lot better than God's way. And we end up in this place where, well, I'm just, I'm righteous. I don't need God as much as they need God. And that ends up becoming a really, really slippery slope. So that wasn't Zacchaeus's reaction. Going back to verse 3 in Luke 19, he was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able to because the crowd and he was a short man. See, Zacchaeus looked at his own life and he knew he was wrong. He knew he cheated his own people. He knew that the, the, the people around him hated him. He knew the actions that he did and the people that he cheated. He knew what his life looked like. Because he didn't take the posture of running up to Jesus and be like, Jesus, look at me. Look how awesome I am. I deserve to be at your feet. Now he was off in the distance. He's like, if I could, man, if I could just get a glimpse of Jesus. Like I might not be, I might not be good enough to, to, to come up and talk to him, but if I just get a glimpse of him. So he climbed the tree. Zacchaeus knew he wasn't good. Zacchaeus knew he was in a rough place and he just needed a glimpse of Jesus. But there's a heart piece in there that we all have to carry. Whether you know Jesus or are coming to know Jesus, this is the big piece of it. If I could just get a glimpse of him, that'd be enough. Right? It's like the, the woman that, that suffered for years. 
If I just touch his cloak, that'd be enough. That's all I need. I just need a, a little piece of him. Now, thank you, Jesus, for who he is. He's not okay with just a little piece of him. We pursue him in that way, and he's going to give us a lot more. But, but that's the posture that we take. His, isn't I'm not good, or I'm good enough. And if you're taking notes, cross out I'm not good enough and write this instead. I'm nowhere near good. I'm nowhere near good. But some of us can get to that place of like, okay, of course I'm nowhere near good. Of course I need Jesus. But then we convince ourselves somewhere along the way that Jesus isn't enough and that I have to now fix myself. So write down this uh, point, for lack of a better term. I can fix this. If you're catching on this, yes, you'll eventually cross this out. But we'll get there. Don't get ahead of me. I can fix this. See, if, if, I'm, if I'm good enough, if I do enough great things, I can fix this. I get it. I get it, Jesus. I am a screw-up. I cause so much harm. I've hurt so many people. I get it. But I can fix this. And that's not the Jesus that, of Scripture. That's not the Jesus of the Gospel. So I'm not asking you to fix this. I love you so much that I'm okay with where you are right now. Now he loves us even greater that he's not okay with us staying there. But when we encounter him, he's okay where you are. He loves you enough for that. But we try to fix it. Let me give you guys an illustration. I'm going to invite my buddy up here, Titus. Uh, and this is pudding, yes, if you were wondering. Um, <clears throat> I, want, I want you to kind of see this, this picture. Titus, I'm going to make you a mess. And for that... I'm not really sorry because it's going to be working, but I'm sorry if it makes you feel bad. <clears throat> um, but here's the idea. If you want to put your hands like this, it's this whole thing of like, well, I'm not, I'm not that bad. I'm not that messy of a person. I don't have that type of, of, of sin. At least I didn't do those horrible things. But I would assume most of us in the room probably lied to your parents a little bit, right? <laughs> probably even recently, who knows, depending on your situation with your parents. Um, and, yo, oh, don't forget, there's that one guy in, the, in, in that other car next to me that cut me off. Oh, oh, oh. did I want to mm, run him off the road? Uh, I didn't, though. Uh, and then, um, then there was that customer service worker that just wasn't listening. And, oh, man, were they getting under, under my skin? And then if you're married, like, if you're married, let's just, let's just, let's just, let's just be honest with ourselves uh we're pretty messy even just for fun add the other sins that we didn't name because you know you have them <clears throat> and then we're standing here with this mess with the sin of our lives and then you know we we have that one next sin uh it's could be anything it could be a habitual habit you can't break it could be whatever simba i lift you up like simba but I'm not strong enough. So here's the piece. I can fix myself. Here's this nice dirtiness. Fix yourself, Titus. <laughs> just clean yourself up if you can. You just, yeah, if you can. You just wipe it up. Uh, yeah, you might get. Right? Thank you, Titus. I appreciate it. You can go grab it. Go. Uh, I worked this illustration out in my head 
Um, I didn't work out. I just cleaned my own hands. <laughs> so if someone has a napkin while well, they keep going, that would be awesome. Um, but oftentimes, sure, it's a, it's a silly illustration. It's a silly example, but we all do it. Man, if I just get to church one more time this month, then I'm going to be better off, right? If I just, shoot, if I just locate my Bible, things are going to be, oh, it's warm, nice. Good. That's some service around here. That was awesome. Sorry, ADD, distractions. Thank you so much. Um, if I just do that one more thing, I'll be good to go. Jesus is going to love me just a little bit more if I, if, if I give that, that person on the side of the road five bucks instead of just a dollar. Right? We all play this game with ourselves. like It's become this weird scale of like if I do more good things than bad things, God's going to love me more. I can fix this. But this is what Jesus asked us to do. He didn't say fix this. He didn't say, hey, guess what? I'm your Savior now, but like, it's all up to you moving forward. You've got to figure this out now. No. Jesus went to the cross for a relationship. Jesus went to the cross for restoration. That power lives in Jesus, not in us. He's not asking us to fix ourselves. He's asking us to walk in relationship with Him and watch Him do a work in us. And I think this is the piece we miss so often. He came to seek and to save the lost, but we think we know better. I'm not, I'm not as bad as you think I am. Or God, this is the little thing. I can take care of this. And he's like, no, 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 you don't get the point. I want to take care of this. I want you to walk with me. I want to be in relationship with you. I want to be your source of everything. When he comes to seek and to save the lost, it wasn't just for the salvation piece. It was for the life that we get to live from here on out. That when life does get hard, when circumstances get dark, I can still have hope. Because I walk in relationship with Jesus. And we're not talking about the churchy term of let's, let's all have relationships with Jesus. I'm talking about genuine, true, honest, vulnerable relationship. Just like I'd have a relationship with Peter, I get to have a relationship with my Creator. This is what Jesus came to seek and to save the lost for. Not just for eternity, but for the now. What can you do today? Verse 4 in Luke 19. And I'm going to cough. <coughs> Sorry. So running ahead, he climbed up into the sycamore tree to see Jesus. Since he was about to pass by. And what did Jesus do? When Jesus came to that place, verse 5, he looked up. And he said to Zacchaeus, or he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. If you're taking notes, cross out, I, can't fix, I can fix this, and write this instead. I can't fix this, but my Savior can. I can't fix this, but my Savior can. What did Jesus do? As he's walking by, he looked right into Zacchaeus' eyes. And he said, Zacchaeus, come down from there. I have so much more for you. Let me into your house. Let's get personal. Let's get to know each other a little bit better. So we can't fix ourselves. Just like Zacchaeus couldn't fix himself. 
He could have done everything and anything to try to fix it. But the reality is people are still going to be mad at him. Sin still exists. Our actions don't have the ability to wash it, to, to wash it all back clean. But Jesus does. And this is why Jesus, as we continue, if you follow his story along, eventually finds himself on a cross. And he ended up on a cross because we needed a Savior. We needed a way out. We've come to that realization that I'm not good enough. And I can't fix myself. So Jesus took my sins on himself, took your sins on himself, and he died as a sacrifice for the sins of us, of us people. And then beautifully, he conquered death three days later so we can do the same. But in the moment of his death, as that sacrifice, he wiped the slate clean. As white as snow, Scripture tells us. This is the beautiful thing about what Jesus did. That it isn't, it isn't what I can do. It isn't what I can accomplish. It isn't me, 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 me. It isn't what I think is best. It's, no, I'm going to walk with Jesus and do as Jesus commands me to do. Whatever that looks like. It could be different every day. Because the reality is, and I think we've said this in previous messages, but if I, I went down a list of all the sins I commit on a regular basis, if you're better than me, you're probably less than 50, but if we're all honest, we're probably, probably in the hundreds at this point. These are just the regular ones we hit on a regular basis. This is the dirty looks, the short tempers, this is the uh, causing harm to relationship, all those things adding up. And if I looked at that list, that list is exhaustive. And I looked at that list, it's not just exhaustive, it's exhausting I don't know how I'm going to do it I can't fix this I can try until my knuckles are white I, I can do anything and everything and, and, and invest all my time and the reality is I'm not going to fix these things there's still going to be things on my list and Jesus is telling you I know you can't fix these things that's why you needed a savior let me help you and we find that help in our relationship with Jesus. When we, when we genuinely spend time with, invest in that relationship, choose vulnerability, choose honesty, choose to be consistent, it's in those conversations that Jesus starts to move and to start to change our hearts. It's in those simple conversations where he's like, hey, you remember, remember when you said that thing to Christy? That was pretty rude. You should probably go back and apologize to Christy. But you're like, but God, she deserved it. I'm not talking about anything specific, you were just there. <laughs> She's like, we need to talk. Um, but it's in the midst of things, and then we start to deal with those things. And then Jesus goes, why do you think you said that to Christy in that way? I'm like, I don't know, Jesus. You're Jesus, why don't you tell me? He's like, why don't you figure it out? Just kidding. Well, we start to pull back these layers of this sin that's built up over, over time. He starts to work on these things that at first don't seem connected. I apologize to Christy and I had to go apologize to my mom and I had to go apologize to Pete. But then as, as I start to have these conversations with Jesus and he starts to you know, build up this humility inside me, I start to see these connections and it's like, oh, it's this underlying, I'm trying to think of an underlying thing off the top of my head. That'd be a line, I don't have one. So, But it's this underlying piece of, of what Jesus is working in our own hearts. It's a it's the ugliness that he's figuring out. It's not, the, it's not these surface level things. It's the depths of those things. But I don't find the depths of those things until I've chosen to walk in relationship with Jesus. That means spending time with him on a regular basis. Like this service is great. 
services and churches are great. They play a role. But the reality is, if the church service is the only place you encounter Jesus, you're going to struggle in this life. You're going to be like, hey, they talk about this hope thing all the time, but I don't have it. I know. Because this isn't enough. This isn't what Jesus designed the church to be. The church is community. The church is disciple makers investing in the next disciple makers so those can become disciple makers. It's the process of of learning how to actually foster a relationship with Jesus and spend time with Him and not just do tasks. It's how do I do relationship with each other so I can be sharpened by those relationships so I can become a better person. That's how Jesus designed this. It happens in community. It happens with intentional leaders choosing to be intentional and lead the people that have been placed under their care. It's working a process that actually works as Jesus worked the process with his disciples. This is just a starting point. This is just a service. It's great. We get the, the, the feelies and all those fun things. But it's not where life change happens. It's not where I really get to see how does someone have a relationship with Jesus and what does it look like. I can talk about it from here all day long. But if you can see it in my life and you can see what I do, then you're like, oh, I'm getting it now. This makes sense. And this is why Hill City exists. This is what we're trying to create. We want to be the place where hope lives. We want to be known in our city. We're like, oh yeah, Hill City, they, right? They're awesome. They helped with, we'd love to be that place. And that's our vision and that's our goal. But this doesn't happen until our people start to walk with Jesus and walk with community and see the change start to transform and change inside of them. We have community groups. We run them every week. We'd love for you to be a part of them. Um, We have discipling groups as well. Really, anyone at this point wearing a bracelet, you walk up to them and say, hey, I need to be discipled. And it's their now responsibility to do it. (laughs) I didn't tell you guys that part. Just kidding. They knew. They knew. But this is, what, this is what the church is supposed to be. This is why we have another church in Colorado Springs. Because we think we have a vision that God wants to bring forth and start to see hope restored in the city of Colorado Springs and beyond. Let me pray for us. Father God, God, the power really lives in, in us realizing, yeah, we're definitely not good enough. Uh, but God, that we can't fix ourselves either. And that's why we so desperately need you. So God, prod our hearts. Poke us into movement. God, give us the courage to take that next step, whatever that next step may be for each of us. Because we do want to be more like you. And we know oftentimes we don't get to those places because we try to do it ourselves. So God, humble us. God, bring us down a few notches. And help us realize that we need you. We need you to guide. We need you to save us. We need you to shape us. But more than anything, Lord Jesus, thank you for going to the cross. So we can have this. So we can find forgiveness. That we can find hope in this life. God, we love you. And we thank you for times like this. In your son's precious name. Amen.